Welcome to the podcast series for the Gender Institute at LSE. In today's podcast, Stephanie Seguino discusses her lecture on race, gender and austerity as part of the Commission on Gender, Inequality and Power. Probably the key issue is that going into the crisis that the groups that have been uh, faring the worst have been single mothers and racially subordinate groups. And the the response to the crisis is different across countries, but frequently when there have been austerity policies, those very same people who were disadvantaged before the crisis are disadvantaged by austerity. And there's really been no effort to hold accountable uh, or to shift the, bur- the cost to those who actually were responsible for the crisis. So there's a degree of unfairness, but, and that unfairness, in my view, really is going to lead to long-run problems in our economies as a result of disadvantaging these groups. So you spoke yesterday at the Thomas Piketty conference mm-hmm. about how race and gender intersect. Uh-huh. How can we use that analysis to understand the financial crisis and, and also globalisation more generally? People often talk, especially intellectuals, talk about race and gender intersecting, meaning that there's overlapping forms of oppression. I actually think there are competing forms of oppression. And I think that capitalism typically builds on uh, power inequalities as a way to extract profit. You know, there are various times in history and various periods in which uh, firms will uh, seek excess profits from women disadvantaged women, and sometimes from people of color. Uh, And and of course, anybody who's a member of both of those groups doubly suffers. But, uh, you know, my experience has been that where there are ethnic minorities, or what I would call subordinate groups, because they don't have to be numerically minorities, that employers tend to treat women better, especially women from the dominant economic group, because after all, men from the dominant economic group live with these women, so they face some cost in oppressing women and and suppressing their wages. Uh, But they don't face as many costs in suppressing the wages and access to jobs of the ethnically subordinate group. And so I think race becomes an important issue in ethnically heterogeneous societies. And quite frankly, we have to collectively work together to understand that this is about power, it's about bargaining power, and that we have to advocate for a society in which there is equitable growth. Somebody mentioned yesterday about the possibility of gender inequality being able to be solved sooner, rather than racial racial inequality perhaps being more ingrained. Do you think that's the case? If we're looking at Western countries, for example, there's far more... um, attention paid to the issue, uh, there's more legitimacy for gender equality. It's much more difficult to argue that women are biologically inferior to men and that inequality is justified. And that's partly because we live in the same households and because people from the dominant group have daughters, right? So there's a, a way in which our lives are integrated. It's, it's easier to perpetuate racial stereotypes because white people typically do not associate with people of color. And the argument that there is a biological inferiority of people of color is no longer polite. But now it's shifted to cultural inferiority. And so long as these groups don't interact, it's very difficult to dislodge that kind of stereotype. So at a public level, in terms of public discourse, yes, I think it's easier to move forward on gender than it is on race. But at a deep level, we still have not, re- you know, we, we still have a great deal of work to do around stereotypes, both of, of by race and by gender. 
so here's where I think we really need to focus is we cannot understand a form of inequality in isolation from other forms of inequality and we can't simply look at their intersection we have to look at how they compete with each other how they bump into each other how they exacerbate each other and so forth and we we really haven't even begun to do that so we also mentioned uh, the tendency of gender studies to focus predominantly on women's inequality right, right. and sometimes ignoring men's inequality. Right. What Are there key aspects of men's inequality that you think that we should be examining or that, that gender studies is, is missing out on? Well, the, I mean, the problem with gender, you know, gender studies in general and this issue of gender is we're frequently talking about women, but we're not talking about men's lives. And, I, you know, I understand the origin of that, but the reality is that there's often a backlash to gender equality and it's largely because marginalized men see women moving ahead when they're lo- when they're suffering in their own lives so you simply can't you can't have what i would call gender conflictive equality in the sense that women do better at the expense of men women have let go of the shackles of these very restrictive roles for what they ought to do in society and they've challenged those but men have not and they haven't had any help doing it. They haven't had any introspection about doing it. And in, in and you're asking men to do this in a world in which their economic lives are much more challenged than they ever were. That has to be part of the equation. And I actually think that you could then get a great deal of collaboration between men and women for policies that will actually benefit both groups. Do you have any examples of what those policies might look like? A focus on full employment w- with decent work, right? With jobs with benefits, uh, people who want full-time job, jobs able to get full-time jobs and so forth, we all would benefit from that. Men want to be part of their families. So policies that promote work-family balance will benefit not only women and single mothers, but it will also benefit men who desire to be part of their families and who don't want to be stigmatized for taking time off from work. Do you think that there has been a difference in the way that the US has um, tackled the aftermath of the financial crisis? Has it produced, for example, more equitable policies? I think this significant difference, of course, is we had a democratic government. So we were able to pass a stimulus package. We were able to do things like extending unemployment benefits and so on and so forth. And we didn't get into the deficit reduction that some countries have gotten into. So austerity has not been part of our solution. There have been negative effects. And, you know, we continue to have a higher poverty rate than we did. Uh, Wages have continued to stagnate. But in terms of social protection, there haven't been as many cuts. So in the UK we've just had an election and we now have a Conservative government and it looks like we're in for another five years of austerity but this Mm -hmm. time unmitigated by the Liberal Democrats. Mm -hmm. Are there lessons that we can learn from the US or or other countries about how we might be able to implement um, deficit reduction in a more equitable way or in a way that doesn't hurt the lives of normal people so much? One of my biggest concerns is with regard to single mothers and, and the children that live in single parent families. There is a great deal of evidence that tells us about what the impact is on children of the mother's well-being. We know excuse me, that higher levels of uh, rates of depression amongst mothers has an effect on children. It has a, an effect on their cognitive abilities. It has an effect on their performance in school, ultimately on their lifetime earnings and productivity. And this is, the, this is the challenge that we as human beings face, is that we're myopic, right? That we tend to focus more on the present, and we have a harder time 
assessing the impact of our decisions today on the future. And that's our job as social scientists is to do that. But the problem is that economists will focus on, you know, unemployment rates and GDP. They are unfamiliar with the psychological and social welfare research that tells us what the cost of decisions are today. Uh, and so if I were to say that there was a single thing that we should do, and that is that we should protect single mothers from these austerity cuts because of the negative effects on children. Stephanie Seguino was talking to Polly Trinau in advance of her lecture for the Commission at the LSE. You can find out more about the work of the Commission at www.lse.ac.uk forward slash gender institute. And you can also follow us on Twitter at LSE Gender Tweet.